Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Listen, this anxious bunny survived. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. The Yetzirhara is is the bad thing that, that's within you. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I imagined having a child, like being handed a lump of clay to mold as I saw fit. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. It drives me crazy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Amy. This is Margaret. And today we are talking about a topic one of our listeners suggested, which is what to do when they're just like you. Yes. As we as we move to weekly episodes, we said, tell us your episode ideas. And we always want to hear your episode ideas. You can email them to us at uh, info at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com or just share them on our Facebook page. And this one was from Michelle, who said, how do you handle it when your kid is just like you? My son drives me bonkers with all my worst habits. <laughs> I like this topic. It's a great topic. I would have never thought of it, but it's like, wow, that is what that is one of the many things that's very annoying about having children. Right. That they act just like you did and it drives you insane. So I was looking up trying to get ready for this episode. I keep returning to this parenting class that I took once with the Orthodox oh, Jewish yes. woman who was you the mother of nine that children. That had a big effect on you. you it had a big a lot. She was amazing because she just was so um, none of this is none of this is hard. And here's what you do. And it was, of course, new perspectives I hadn't heard before not being Jewish. And so she said and I searched in vain for the actual sort of Talmudic um, quotation of this this weekend. Oh. I found some other amazing advice that I will share later. But but starting from this point, she said that the Torah says that our children are our teachers and that our ch- the, the buttons that our children push in us are exactly the buttons that need to be pushed in order for us to become the people we are meant to be. Yeah. I mean, I often hear things like our children are our teachers and my like repressed Irish Catholic head explodes, but <laughs> I cannot deny the truth of that, that somehow it's that the song from the end of Wicked. I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn. And it's like, oh, that's our children. Right. They get right at your your needed to work spots. And and it's interesting that some of those that the, oh, we're so annoyed by our children's habits that match up with ours the most. Right. Like, well, wait I, a minute. It is annoying. I had a, a boyfriend once who said, the people who drive you the most crazy are the people who are most like you. And I remember like, boom, you know, it just the scales fell from my eyes. And so that was sort of my first question is the the kid who is most like you temperamentally in your family. And it's hard for me to even figure out who that is. Mine all refract back at me different, wonderful, wonderful parts of myself. But the, <laughs> the kid like who is most, most like you temperamentally, do you clash more with that kid? Be- because of those similarities, I feel like I, I, in my case, clash less because I get it, but I'm not, I don't know. What do you think? It's, that's so hard for me to quantify. Somebody asked me sitting at a basketball game yesterday, which of your kids are most like you and which are most like your husband? I thought, I, I don't, I have nothing. I don't know. I, it's hard <laughs> for me to, even just people who say, oh my gosh, he or she looks just like you. I don't see it at all. Although I see it very clearly in other people's kids. I think the temperamental is the same for me. It's hard for me. The one thing 
and people mentioned this on our Facebook page when we talked about this, the one thing that I see in my oldest especially that is just a theme in my entire family gene pool is anxiety, like the Uh anxious child. And I am an anxious person and I come from a long line of extremely anxious people. Although, are all people just anxious? Sometimes I just think, maybe we're all just anxious and we all just think it's only us. Some of us know it and some of us don't, but we're all anxious, maybe. But my oldest is extremely anxious. And I, I don't think my husband is very anxious. He just does not. We, we once had a horrible flight, a really horrible flight. Plane was struck by lightning, horrible turbulence for an hour. We had to make an emergency landing, like a really horrible flight. And your kids were with you. My kids were with me. Yeah, this is an and amazing story. I still, it's kind of ruined flying for me. I have so much anxiety around it. It was a terrifying experience for me. And... When we, I mean, people were crying, people were screaming. And when we landed, when we kind of got home and got to bed that night, I said, God, it was so awful and so terrifying. And how were you feeling? And my husband said, oh, I wasn't that worried. I mean, it's a plane. They're going to land it. They know what they're doing. He actually did not have a terrifying experience. Oh, my Lord. He was calm. And I just think sometimes... If only we could switch heads for a few days, it would be like a, it would be like the most relaxing vacation of my life if I could just do a head switch with my husband, because he is not a warrior. He said to me once when we were, I was talking about something, he said in this very like quizzical, professorial, hmm, anthropological, studying me way, wow, you really just like to worry out all the possibilities of a problem. <laughs> but wait, isn't that everybody? Isn't so not everybody. said about her husband. You know, he just, he keeps eating even though he's full. Like he, she was so mesmerized by it. I thought, (laughs) that's everybody, but it's not her. And so it was really hard for her to relate to. And that's how my husband is with me. Like this worrying thing you do is very mysterious. Well, you're well matched because you're, you're opposites. And I always think that the the best couples I know are opposites. blessing. But unfortunately, yeah. your kids aren't going to be, well, one of them will be your opposite, maybe, if it, if it takes after your spouse, but one of them is going to be exactly like you. And the good thing is, so so Jennifer, on our Facebook page, we, we put, so how are your kids just like you? And she said she's anxious, so are her kids. But the good thing is that it makes it easier for her to help them cope with their anxiety. And so I'm wondering, on that plane, clearly you're freaking out yourself, as I would have been. But did it help you know how to parent your kids in that situation better, thinking I know what they're thinking right now? Well, that situation was so intense that I was basically just like (laughs) preparing for the end and just trying to keep the kids calm. But in general, I would say that sometimes the kids' anxiety triggers my anxiety. Like It's like the kids are giving voice to things that I don't want to think about because I'm like, oh, that's going to make me so anxious So I think about it. But in some ways, I find that they're giving voice to stuff that they're anxious about is a good lesson for me. Like, oh, let's just, I think sometimes the anxiety is like, do you ever have that dream where the monster's chasing you, the monster's chasing you? And I, it's like at some point in my life, I figured out subconsciously that in my dream, if I turn around and face like the tiger or the monster or whatever is chasing me, I wake up. And it's such a metaphor for anxious people. Like sometimes I feel like I'm like, I can't think about that. It's going to make me too nervous. I can't think about that. And the kids just kind of give voice to all of their anxieties. And it it's been a learning for me. Like, oh, maybe if we just talk about this out loud a lot, it will help. I may or may not be slightly anxious, and I have children <laughs> who are anxious, and I have I have one who struggles with it particularly. And as this child has aged enough to be able to not just ruin everybody's weekend because there's, I don't know, standardized testing on Monday, right? But just to be able to say... I have a stomach ache and I think I'm feeling worried about the test on Monday. That that's a huge maturity leap for that child. Yeah, talk it out. And especially when I mean, my kids are younger and I think as young children, they just give voice to everything. You know, um, my mom passed away over the summer. It was obviously an extremely anxious, difficult experience. And I remember the first time I told my oldest, who's very anxious about it, I said, well, you know, grandma's sick. And he said, was she going to die? And I had to say, I think she is. Like, I think that's where we are with this. And it's like giving voice to that myself was extremely upsetting and painful, but it's also, it's somewhat of a relief to say, and a release to say, listen, let's give voice to the worst thing that we're worried about and see if we can face it. And and so I guess this is where you having the same uh, 
issue as your kid makes you uniquely able to sort of see inside it and and know where it might be coming from when this kid might not want to share the feelings anymore. You can sort of perceive them. I think that's right, but I think I have to, and one has to, be pretty conscious about that because I have found there are times where the kids being anxious triggers me being anxious, and I kind of want to go into shut it all down mode. And I have to also be conscious about not managing my own anxiety so that I'm not bestowing my anxiety onto the kids kind of try and my mom was a super anxious person but I never really was aware of that when when we were until I had like adult conversations with her (laughs) you know she kind of was good at making it seem like everything was going to be okay no matter how anxious she felt herself and I think that's a that's something I want to give to my kids but I have to be conscious about how I respond to their anxiety so we don't just become an anxiety binary star and that, and that gets at the sort of biggest question about all this, which is to to what extent is this baked in the cake? Um, if you are anxious or if you are uh, argumentative or whatever, the, the, are these are these traits sort of hardwired? And it was I was doing research on this because, of course, that's a big question that they haven't really answered yet. Are these personality traits literally inherited? Are they in your DNA somewhere or... Is it is it learned? And of course, I think it's probably some combination of the two. But it wasn't until the 80s that they figured out that some of it might actually be genetic. Like you were saying a couple episodes I feel ago. Like I could have worked with them on that. Yeah. Them. Well, you were but saying like totally they, they, they figured out that anxiety is in the stomach and the receptors, like, you know, that there's receptors for serotonin in your stomach, which doesn't make <sighs> any sense. And, and the, but that's that how they. Crazy? Yeah. And that's why you feel anxiety in your stomach because there are really, there are nerve receptors in your stomach that read anxiety. Right. So that, so that leans towards that. The, that you can definitely sort of model um, how to handle anxious behavior, but you, you, but it's not as easy as if I just don't let my kids see that I'm really bothered. But well, here's here's one that my my uh, one of my kids and I share. We have soft sound sensitivity. Do you know what this is? Um, I do, but <laughs> tell tell the but people. But do at home. tell. It's I mean uh, we both have a sort of minor case of it, and and this child's will sort of flare up more anxious, more soft sound sensitivity. So this is something. Um, sometimes it's called misophonia. That's that's a sort of word that was sort of adopted by people who have it and only within the last 10 years. So some people call it soft sound sensitivity instead. Anyway, here's what it is. It is that noises bother you that are sort of barely perceptible um, and wouldn't bother other people. Like if I'm sitting on a subway or an airplane or whatever, and I can hear somebody else's headphones sitting next to me, like that kind of thing you can barely hear, it makes me want to like throw something it, it it's it's much worse than just hearing the than hearing the music isn't it also like mouth sounds people chewing some people eat me each person has their own thing right so so my uh so that's mine is sort of barely audible things or or a couple things in i can't handle like last night the uh the football game was on and one of my kids was listening to something on his phone and my husband was trying to, you know, talk to me about something that was kind of important, like we need to pick a night for this to happen. And I just was like, stop, stop, stop. There are three sources of sound. I need at least one to stop. I can't, I can't. This is another diagnosis that I'm like, wait, isn't that just everybody? No, it is not. I mean, aren't you shocked how many, how many households, they just have the TV blaring in the background all the time and nobody has any problem with that. I mean, that is my, um, and, and, but it's me and, and, and only one of my kids has this. And, and so this kid's sensitivities are different. This kid's sensitivities are uh, sibilant S's. Make this person <laughs> take them. They take it very, very personally. Oh, and sniffling. When when one of the siblings has a cold, and this is doing that every couple of it just drives them crazy. seconds. Absolutely, you are doing that on purpose to ruin my life. And so, um, and I think it's baked in the cake. And so, uh, I well, it's funny because my husband's brother. And my second child, we always find all these parents. They look alike. They have really, really curly hair. They, 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 Wait, just, your husband's brother? So my my my. Oh, your husband? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uncle. Yes. Okay. Have all of these crossover traits? Like pictures of my Harry when he's little look just like pictures of my husband's brother when he's little. His uncle. And we just always make a note of how similar they look to each other, and then. 
my brother-in-law has this funny quirk, which is that he cannot stand any kind of mouth sounds. I mean, again, everybody doesn't like this, but he would get up and move in a restaurant if there was somebody like eating right. next to him. Right. And my son has the same thing. The one who looks just like him also every night at the dinner table, he's like yelling at his brother and sister, chew with your mouth closed, chew with your mouth closed. <laughs> and it's just funny. Like there's got to be some linked trait there. Absolutely. Well, you know what You know what helps is uh, music at the dinner table helps with the please stop making that sound. But doesn't it, doesn't it clash with like music at the dinner table to me is like the TV on. I don't want music at the dinner table. Well, Miss May, you have to make it sort of soft, I don't know, easy listening piano. We, we listen. If, Maybe. It isn't, always, it isn't always flaring up, but when it is flaring up, we put, we put music on because mm-hmm. then you can't hear it. That's, that's one way. But, but anyway, rather than telling your kid, don't be like that. They can't, they can't yell. They can't be intolerant. They can't throw a temper tantrum, but you can, looking at that as like, wow, I think this is really something that, that my kid was born with. You can help them. Mm, you, you, can, you can sort of honor it at the same time. You're not oh, allowing sure. it to run I mean, your life. I've always said to people, I imagined having a child all my life, like being handed a lump of clay to mold as I saw fit. And then I had a child and I realized... It was like being handed a completely formed human being <laughs> that I would just have to work with and manage as best as possible. I mean, all of these things are, my mom, who worked at therapy for a long time, would always say this, the only thing you can address is behavior. And that is true with all of these inherited traits, that you cannot say to someone, you have to get over this thing with mouth sounds. It's annoying and no one cares about it except for you. All you can address is the behavior that results. You're not allowed to yell at people. We will find workarounds if something is really upsetting you, but you're not allowed to scream at the dinner table, chew with your mouth closed. You know, I, I was with an adult uh, friend recently. We were away for the weekend together um, and uh, Marshmallow was barking and I, and my friend has this problem to, to a great, to a great amount, this, you know, sound sensitivity. And this was not a soft sound. Marshmallow was yipping and yapping because the kids were doing, oh, I know they were in, they were in a hot tub and, and they, she thought that was w- what is going on? Like active They're drowning not, situation, I active, to, uh, yeah, I alert, alert. With so my she, yippy bark. Yeah. So she was, arr, arr, arr. Oh, and, and I'm my, with your friend. Yeah. And my friend was finally like, oh my God. And I said, oh. I can tune it out, right? But my friend, I could see her losing it, but I have compassion for it. I know what that is. And I said, oh, it's bothering you. Sorry, let's let's just lock her in another room where she continued to, you know, yip and yap, but you couldn't you couldn't hear her. And that was it. But I could see my friend being like, uh, not my house, not my dog, and I'm kind of losing it. But but uh, <laughs> she, she needed help in that situation and I knew how to help her. Anyway. Yeah, and that's something we talk a lot about around siblings, which is, we have three kids each. They're all going to have their own issues and sensitivities. My anxious guy has a lot of issues around his Legos being touched. Sure, sure. Well, that's, yeah, that's universal. My younger guy has a lot of things about mouth sounds. My girl is easy because she's herself, but I mean, (laughs) she has her own things. It's mostly it's not about addressing whatever their weird quirk is. It's about, it's about refereeing the behavior around how they deal with each other and their quirks. Yeah. I think, I think this is a good time to take a break. And when we come back, I am going to give you the Talmudic parenting advice that will help you deal with this uh, unlikable trait that may have been inherited by you. Now, if there was ever a cliffhanger of an episode ending, Amy, I think that's it. <laughs> Not good can't wait. All right, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? Say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. 
Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. In a world where moms just want to cook dinner in peace. You can have screens for 15 minutes. Yes! Screens! An unseen terror takes hold. Can you please stop talking to me? I can't hear the iPad. Children who once made eye contact begrudgingly told you about their day. It's fine. Or briefly played outside before complaining they were bored are gone. In their place are beings that can think of only one thing. I'm so close, I'm about to beat the evil space lord. They completely lose interest in food. I can't eat dinner. This kid on YouTube is about to open a new Lego set. They speak a language you'll never understand. I can't stop now, Mom. I have to learn Super Fire Blast, because if I don't, I'll be conquered by the Dreamins, and my level will go down to Villager. They are the children of the screen. Coming soon to a living room near you. I just need to finish this level. Children of the Screen is a sequel to last year's Moms of the Screen. Mom, watch me do a cartwheel. Oh, honey, I can't. I'm on a timed level of Candy Crush. Children of the Screen is not recommended for delusional new parents who believe they'll never let their children watch electronics. Margaret, it was kind of a big weekend in our house. Oh, tell me more. We got our first BarkBox. Oh, a thrill. Marshmallow got her first Bark Box. I love that Bark Box is sponsoring us, even though we have not been consistently kind on the subject of pets. But you have a dog. You might as well make it happy with a Bark Box. I have a small dog named Marshmallow, and so we specified small dog box. So it came right to our door, and you know, you had me at hello because I don't have to go to the pet store. Here's what I don't do. Marshmallow is a great dog. I don't go to the pet store to sort of think about what kind of treat she might like this week or <laughs> what kind of toy is really 
you know, special for Valentine's Day. I just don't. I don't. Um, <laughs> and if you do, fabulous. If you don't, then I'm telling you, BarkBox is even more for you than those But people. even if you do, what if those things just came to your door instead? Exactly. You still like that. So, so this box came and it said marshmallow on it. So my kids were immediately enchanted that marshmallow had gotten a package. And we opened it up. And uh, each box has a theme. So the theme for this BarkBox was Knights of the Hound Table. And it was all <laughs> very Camelotti. So she got um, two bags of treats and a sort of chew stick which got eaten immediately like the candy in your Christmas stocking and then she got two toys one there was a uh, a fair damsel that she then immediately put into distress right and then she got <laughs> a dragon to chew on to chew on yeah like like toys to like throw and, and catch and fetch and squeak and she has been carrying it around the house ever since. And here's what I kind of wasn't expecting. It completely gave her a full weekend's worth of excitement. And then therefore, we all were more into our dog than we have been recently Aww, because she was really she fun to play with. She got a new bark box and you got a new marshmallow <laughs> basically got a new dog. It came with a thing of Mad Libs that my daughter filled out and a paper crown that we put on marshmallow, of course, and took pictures. So I'll put those up on our Instagram. You hashtag them BarkBox Day. And if you're into cute pictures of excited dogs, you can look at that hashtag. There's there's lots of pictures. I like it. I thought when you said you'd had an exciting weekend, it was going to be like you and your husband took off for the Bahamas. But no, you had a bark box and you all took pictures of your dog, which is also really fun. Closer to home. Is this the life you imagine for yourself, Amy? Maybe not. But <laughs> no. here it is in all its glory. But I found unexpected joy in the small things. I and so it. we are. It does sound really fun. As you know, I don't have a dog because I don't do dog things but but your sister has a dog so you could send oh, her dog I could a gift bark her box. Bark box for her large dog yes yes they have big big and bold boxes for large dogs amy you've sold me tell me how to get a bark all box. right so you can you can go month to month but if you get a six or 12 month plan you get a free bark box if you mm. use our code which is barkbox.com slash laughing that's barkbox.com slash laughing make your weekend special by taking pictures of your dog in a crowd. <laughs> okay, we're back, and Amy is about to lay some Talmudic wisdom down on a us. A Talmudic people. truth bomb. Get okay. Ready. People have just been sitting by their phones anxiously. <laughs> I guess if they were doing that, they could have just fast-forwarded. Let's just imagine that they can't. So have you heard of this book, The Blessing of a Skinned Knee by Wendy Mogul? I have. I don't think I've read it, but I've definitely heard of it. Uh, I've sort of like breezed through it, but I but I was reintroduced to it this weekend, and I'm so going to read this whole book now. So she sort of brings traditional, she applies sort of traditional Jewish parenting ideals that are from the Torah and how to apply them to today's kids. And she talks about, in in sort of Jewish tradition, there are two things within you, the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Tov, which are like the angel and the devil on your shoulder, basically. Um, so... The Yetzer Hara is, is the bad thing that, that's within you, and the Yetzer Tov is the good part, the proper impulses. But the Yetzer Hara in Jewish tradition is not only the, the devil, the things that have to be tamped down and controlled, but it's also the source of all creativity and things that are like the fire that's within you. It's the same thing. I have to say, this is very universal because my son completely unprompted came home from school the other day and I said, did you have a good day? And he said, mom, it's like there's a good me and a bad me and I never know which one's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, the Yetzer and the Yetzer really Tov. something there. He was know? saying this. So, so when you come at this for this point of view, right, this is kind of mind blowing. Your child's worst trait is also the seed of her best traits. And so uh, walk me through that one. Okay. So so the Yetzerhara is is wild and, and and but you can't it but if you lock it up bad things will happen. So there, I guess she tells a story she tells a story in this book that this is a tradition that, you know, two rabbis are able to trap the Yetzerhara and and you know and put it in a cage and then um there are no uh no baby animals are born and no, the chickens are stopped laying eggs and like the trees start to die because the Yetzirah is also the life force. And so they realize you have to let it out. You have to have this sort of, it's the, it's the twinkle in your kid's eye that can't be, that can't be stamped out. All right. I get that. Right. And I think that that, so, so the trick is, so there's another, there's another woman named Ellie Grossman who works with, with this sort of idea. And she says, like, the trick is to find your child's greatest strength that is hidden inside 
the worst quality. Like from, from one of my kids, I have a kid who is just very distracted all the time, right? And I don't I don't know if he got this from me or my husband, but this is his worst trait that he he doesn't stay on track. And he chit chats about things that are very um, unrelated to the matter at hand. And he's like Ferdinand, he wants to sit quietly and smell the flowers when the bus is coming in 30 right. seconds. Right. But that I is have his... one of those as well. We were trying to get through a chapter of uh, Humphrey, the gerbil book. And I mean, literally, like we're halfway through a page and he's like, Mom, you know what's interesting? And I'm like, no, I don't know what's interesting. <laughs> right. Read about the gerbil. Right. Let's take this exit ramp. Let's oh. wander into this field. No, no. And, and, and right. And it can be so frustrating. But this kid is also so um, merry and so, so happy as he wanders off into this field. And I know that that's the person who it's going to, you know, find the cure for cancer, right? It's it's that sort of thinking. It's that sort of, what's over here? I'm going to go look over here. And I'm not going to worry about what the world says I'm supposed to be doing. I'm really going to do a deep dive into what do butterflies eat, you know, when, when it's mm-hmm. when it's dinner time. Um, and that's, so there's there's wonderful things hidden within that extremely frustrating trait that you have to allowed to exist. I kind of liked that. And I was what's the practical application of that? She says, the real first step is to look at yourself in the mirror. And if your child has this mishigas that makes you crazy, where do you think they got it from? (laughs) Right. But I mean, (laughs) let's say, okay, fine, they got it from me. Now what? Like, what's the practical application of that? Like, I I was reading um, a book that covered like autism. I have a kid who's really, who's on that spectrum somewhere, you know, struggles. It's with a, a big spectrum. It's right? a giant spectrum. And they were talking about this this theory of really like meeting kids where they are. So if you had a kid who was severely impacted and, you know, spent all day, let's say, spinning something on the floor, that there's an in- impulse to say like, stop that spinning, stop spinning quarters and come play with these kids. Like do the normal thing. Come be a normal child like this. And that this whole theory is about going and he, he gives this amazing metaphor where it's like you, I see you, Amy, and I decide I want to be friendly with you and connect with you. And I see you reading a J.D. Salinger novel in the park. And I walk over and I like slap the book out of your hand. I grab you by the hand. And I'm like, we're Amy, we're going to be friends. We're going to go to the movies. You're going to be like, wait, what is this? Like, leave me alone. I want to be part of this. And that rather, if I wanted to approach you, I, I should go and sit near you and read a J.D. Salinger novel and just let you eventually see that I'm reading the J.D. Salinger novel and that maybe eventually you will come to me and be like, oh, hey, we're reading the same novel. Or eventually we can start a conversation about this thing that we obviously have in common. Which sounds a little stalkery and creepy, but take the metaphor to where it's going. Um, the, the idea is like if you have a kid who's very interested in spinning objects, that just spend some time on the floor with them and just spin something near them, expecting no result. But then eventually, hopefully, there a bridge is built where you can you're doing something together and then you can start a conversation and then you can build it and then you can maybe bring it into another world and but that you meet the person where they are rather than walking over and being like stop this thing you're doing it is wrong come do the thing I want you to do and I feel like that metaphorically is so useful across all of these things like yes stop being so anxious it's ridiculous oh I I know I get it for me I'm also very anxious but stop it we both have to just stop this meet them in the anxiety like yeah that was really really hard and scary when grandma died because it makes you feel like you don't know when anyone's going to die and it it makes you realize but realistically like this is what happened here's how grandma got sick like just meet them in it and sit in it with them and talk it through Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not to be it's not to be stamped out it's to be sort of contained and I do think when the, the kid who is so distractible one of the lessons is To read a chapter of Humphrey with that kid should take probably, let's say, 10 minutes. For us, it's going to take a half an hour. And maybe that's okay. And maybe there are some nights where I say, listen, we have 10 minutes for this. We're not going to go off on tangents. we got to get it done tonight because I want you to be able to go to the basketball game that we have tickets to. But maybe there are some nights where you just say, let's just take a 45-minute time together if you ever have the time. And let's go off on those tangents and like, oh, that is a funny story about Star Wars. Anyway, where were we in the book? And just <laughs> let them be on that path without it being so painful and stressful. Right. That's, that's, yeah, that's good advice. 
Uh, there's uh, Jennifer on our Facebook page. She brought up a whole other way you can be similar to your kids that we haven't even talked about yet. Kids can be highly competitive and get it from you. True. She says, my daughter, who's 23, and my youngest, who is 10, are both highly competitive, just like me, no matter what we want to win. Thankfully, my oldest, who's 28, couldn't care less. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so great to have somebody in the family who's not like this. And for yes. all that my husband is not anxious he is insanely competitive oh he's not sports competitive well, yeah he is he's competitive in everything but he i always call him a student like he has to do everything the best and i remember i took him to a yoga class with me and i said to him on the way over i'm just gonna just gently suggest a student that you're doing yoga for the first time ever. <laughs> and it's possible that I know you don't like it when I'm better at you, but like I've been doing yoga for four years. So my suggestion would be not to try to be the best at yoga, just to try to experience it and see what you can do. But he can't turn it off. And so right. the next day he's like broken, you know, his <laughs> legs and his back and he can barely move because it is not within him. Like if someone in the room is touching his toes, he's going to touch his toes. I, he yeah. can't not do it. Yeah. I, I, and definitely I have to watch that in my kids too. And and it manifests for my kids sometimes and they don't want to try stuff they're not good at. In fact, my son the other day, I might have to put this video up because it is so funny. He started breakdancing and he's like, you know what I like is breakdancing. And I said, oh, well, let me see some break dancing. <laughs> the the Yatsahara coming out. Now I break dance. Break dancing, in quotes, in the kitchen, which just for some reason involves a lot of jumping up on the chairs and jumping off of the chairs. He gets on his back and he kind of tries to do the spins and stuff. And I said, you know, honey, you should take a dance class. You're really good at dancing. And he said, Mom, I should teach a dance class. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe we could start by taking a dance class. Like, I love the confidence. But the problem is he doesn't want to take a dance class because he just wants to be great at breakdancing. He gets that from my husband. So, I mean, I love the confidence, but it just <laughs> makes me worried that, you know, he just doesn't like to do things that he's not already good at. It's just a frustrating quality that I have. My my uh, my middle guy, when he was uh, five years old, is, is very musical, um, was constantly playing a guitar that somebody had given us, constantly. And so we got him guitar lessons, and the guy comes over for the first lesson, and he's... And, and, Seamus is holding it backwards and he's doing this. And, and at the end of the lesson, the guy comes out and he's like, I think we should wait because he just wants to show me how good he is at playing the guitar already. And he just like, <laughs> so maybe it's I can a play little any bit song. of a factor of age. That's yeah. funny. That, that makes me feel a little bit better. It, yeah. I mean, Seamus is no longer like that. I he's think. like, I play any song. I, any song. Oh, McDonald, I'll play it. And then he would just like, ring, 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 ring. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so, and that's the, it's the confidence that you don't want to trample in them well so that is your talmudic theory right like the confidence and the joy in dancing you want to foster but you somehow want to tap down a little bit the thing of i don't need lessons i'm already the best at guitar and or break dancing well yeah that, i mean that's appropriate in a uh you know five to seven year old it's not appropriate in a 17 year old maybe don't 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 stamp it out. But also, it doesn't get to run the show. Um, yeah, I do find that crazy making with my seven year old, and I don't know who he gets it from, but he really doesn't like like he's taking violin right now, and he just whines and moans the whole way to violin class, and then he comes out of violin class with a huge smile on his face every time, and his teacher says, you know, he's doing great. He's really good at it he's picking it up which I mean I'm paying him maybe he's lying but <laughs> it just and then he's always I said well you looked like you were having a pretty good time he was just well it was just because he was just he was being funny just today he was just making me laugh just today but I don't want to go anymore and it just it drives me crazy just that he can't find joy in learning things makes me nuts that's interesting because I've always thought of myself as a not competitive person because I don't I am a perfectionist. I don't like doing something that I'm not uh, immediately good at. I'd rather not try, but I always think it's because I'm, because uh, I dislike competition, but but you're saying that this is, it's actually because you are competitive and, and if you can't win, you don't want to do it at all. I think that's probably right because part of the competitiveness is like, I don't want to play unless I'm going to win and I don't want to do something that I'm not good at. Yeah. And like, in some ways, it's true that the joy of 
quote unquote break dancing when I put Aha's take on me at full volume and you're just allowed to dance crazy in the sidebar kitchen. that has that has become that that song has come roaring back to be the most important song of our children's generation I feel like and I I'm think not it's sure in why. a video game or something there's oh. something that must be using it because all the kids know that song yeah put it on right now like every kid sings along it must be there must be some reason and Anyone it is it's a great reason? song if anyone knows the reason why people know Aha's take on me again, please come to our Facebook page and enlighten us because yeah. we need to know. Um, but the joyfulness of that experience is really not the same as going to a dance class where they're like point in, point out, point in, point out. I mean, breaking it down and actually learning it is not as fun. It's like banging on the piano and screaming at the top of your lungs or being like, you want to hear old McDonald and just bang on the back of a guitar. Like that's fun. Learning guitar is not actually fun. That's the, that's the tiger mom thing, that being good at something is fun, getting good at something is hard and not fun, <laughs> but that's yeah. that's why you do it. Yeah, that's why I just, just shove my son in the car. But I don't know, I mean, if, violin. If, you weren't, if you weren't a person with perfectionist and anxious tendencies, it probably wouldn't bother you at all if your kid took violin or not. Speaking as somebody who yeah, wouldn't know. but I don't <laughs> think I, that's true, because I think... You want your kids to take an instrument. You want your kids to pursue a sport. Like you want your kids to just sort of be well-rounded. And so I don't know. I think a lot of this stuff, sometimes it's like you get really in the weeds with like, well, what is it like to be it's like everybody and nobody likes learning violin. It's just but you, you do just it. have to do it anyway. Like let's not even parse all the particulars of whether or not it's fun or not. It's not. Nobody likes learning it. So you just have to do it. The Yetzirah has to take violin sometimes. Can't always yeah. break dance. <laughs> well, you know what she says. I'll go back to when to Wendy Mogul. She she said, you know, you don't you don't talk, you don't bother talking to the Yetzirah. You can't you don't reason with it because it can get very easy to do that. You just you be clear about what your expectations are and then Wait, stick and to them. Wait, just so I'm understanding, the Yetzirah is like the anxiety. No, the Yetzirah is is your kids most frustrating trait that within it contains their potential greatest strength. So it strength. could be the anxiety. because It could be their anxiety. Could, yeah, okay, so it could be. Yeah, it's their most frustrating trait. Okay. That's true. Like, okay, what, what's from the positive trait that's within anxiety? I guess it's your, you know, high emotional um, attunement and yeah. attention to things. Well, and my mom used to always say, because I was so anxious, and I would say, like, I just don't want to be anxious anymore. She would always say, the anxious bunny survives. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's right. The anxious bunny doesn't get eaten by the fox. Like their anxiety serves a real purpose. Okay. And here you are. And I, I listen, this anxious bunny survived. I think it, I think what it comes down to is you have to, when your kids are just like you and they're frustrating you in the ways they're just like you, you do have to start with yourself because you have to recognize those impulses and then work on them in yourself. Because if you're going to help your kid, you're going to have to work against them in yourself. If your kid's anxiety is making you anxious, you have to recognize that that's happening and deal with it before you can help your kid. For sure. And everybody has this. I mean, Bill, I keep, for some reason on the podcast recently, I keep citing comedians who have fallen spectacularly out of favor. But Bill Cosby has oh my a great God. say. <laughs> you know, he has a point. The guy still has a point. One All point. His troubles aside. But I mean, he, in that famous comedy routine, he's like, the mother's curse is, I, I hope you have a kid who is just like you. I mean, mm -hmm. and that, the reason why it's an effective curse is because it's true. We all get the kids who are just how we vexed our own parents. Don't bang your head against the trait, just address the behavior. That's the takeaway. Okay. I like that. Yeah, the trait the trait is is first of all probably immutable. Second of all, it has right. good things within it. Immovable force. But don't yeah, but but the Yatsuhara has to take violin lessons sometimes. Has to do it. And so <laughs> do we have any more um Facebook examples of our uh Well, yes, we do. Michelle says her son and I both cor my son and I both correct people. And and we oh. don't know how to handle our frustration. <laughs> just go on Facebook and just correct people's grammar all day. That's what everyone else does with that trait. I yeah, I I do have that. When somebody says between you and I, and I'm like between you and me, I, I have like, to. I can't. I cannot yeah. let this stand. I cannot <laughs> let it stand. And Amanda says, "Did I say this one?" Amanda, she says, "When my three year old is argumentative for the sake of it, it drives me nuts. Although he gets it from his mama." No, you didn't say that one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, and I mean, this goes back. We talked about it in the Mean Girl episode this goes back to the fundamental truth of parenting which is hard to avoid and we've talked about it in screen episode we've talked about it in eating episodes 
the reason your your kids are all going to be just like you. We talked about it in the Mean Girls of, oh, well, you have to model like saying things like, I support other women. And I argued, in fact, you never have to say that phrase, but you have to live a life where you support other women if you want your girls to grow up with that idea as a, as a positive. Like, if there are traits that are super negative, like my anxiety, for example, and constantly worrying and... Um, you know, I get OCD-ish and touching things and this can ward off evil if I touch this thing twice. Like I have to be super conscious of getting rid of those qualities in myself that I don't want to see in my kids. Because as much as I tell my kids, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. If they see me in a constant state of anxiety and touching my little talismans and getting into my crazy anxiety stuff, they will be anxious. They will, they will pick up and model that behavior, period, end of sentence. What if you bring um, awareness to it? Like, is it ever appropriate? I don't know about anxiety, the, that in particular, but to say, oh, I, I'm making this up as I go along, but that, that, that I'm saying, oh, I'm this silly game, this Yahtzee, I feel myself getting really competitive and caring way too much about this right now. Is that, is that ever appropriate? Yeah, I'm sure that's, I think it is good. And, and certainly you don't want to, I mean, lots of people end up in that situation of like, ah, everything's great. We're so happy. Everything's going great. And the kids can tell that things are not actually going well. And that seems to me the worst of all worlds, like just papering a thin protective layer over things that is clearly not going to hold, you know, it's like rotten floorboards, like someone's going through it at some point. Yeah. Like you definitely shouldn't say like, well, I don't want my kids to be anxious. And so I'm going to just live my life in this like, everything's fine. We're great. Everything's fine. There's nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be great. Just being very truthful. Um, Glennon Doyle Melton. I don't know if she's now just Glennon Doyle. You know, Mama Stary. She has this metaphor that what you build, the hurricane will come someday. And what will be left standing is the things that are actually true. So that if you build up like little paper houses or like, oh, dad and I get along great, even though the kids can hear you fighting the second they go to bed, you know, if you build like toothpicky, matchsticky fakeness out of like, I'm not anxious, everything's fine, that someday something's gonna come and blow through that and knock everything down. And the kids are gonna see what is really true. And that's a metaphor that I think about a lot. Like. It is okay to say like, wow, I am so anxious about this thing. Even though I know intellectually that it it may not be a big deal, it really frightens me and makes me nervous and I'm trying to deal with that. I think it's great and fine to give voice to the truth because you don't want to just pretend to be something other than you are because kids are smart. They see what's really going on. Right. Right. Yeah. So it isn't just about denying these traits within yourself that you have, but sort of modeling the struggle if if the struggle is there and talking about them and through that sort of helping your kid deal with that same thing that's annoying you so much. Well, just just okay. So you so the takeaways are, I think, if you know that this trait is something that they either inherited from you in the DNA or in the watching the behavior, you start with yourself. You voice the struggle. Gee, I'm we're leaving for the airport, and here I am checking for my driver's license a third time, even though I know I have it already. I guess I'm feeling a little nervous about traveling. Right. Um, That's a great example. Those kind of things of like. Uh, oh, I, I know I'm being a little crazy about this. This is just how my anxiety kind of comes out of me, I guess. Right. You're 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 modeling you're modeling a way to sort of honor the honor the feeling, change the behavior, and that's what's going to help them hopefully you know grow up to be a little bit less screwed up than we are, which right. is our and it's goal. It's safe to it's safe to turn around and look at the tiger in the dream. Like it's safe to just give name to it and say, wow, it is really scary that this person we love is sick because it means she might die. Like, that's fine. Like, it's it's okay. This is a safe space to say things like that in. I think we figured this out. Oh, we got it. What to do when they're just like you? <laughs> what just to do when they're them. just like you? Just, just <laughs> keep, keep on keeping around. on. On the show page for today, if you go to whatfreshallpodcast.com and you go to the show page for this episode, I'm going to put up a link to The Blessing of a Skinned Knee and this article by Ellie Grossman and all the stuff about the Yetzirah, which was so new to me, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Awesome. There's a lot of good... Re- you brought a lot to the table for this one. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you can also go to our Facebook page always. You just search Facebook for What Fresh Hell Podcast and there we are. And or we're on-, we're on Twitter. If you're a tweeter, you can go to at WFH Podcast on Twitter and find us. You know what I like to do on Twitter, Margaret? If, if people aren't 
tweeters, you can still go to twitter.com slash WFH podcast. And I link to all kinds of articles and funny things and just stuff that's in the main of what we talk about. And you can just go to that page and see all that stuff without having to join Twitter. Our Twitter page is on fire is what Amy's It's on fire. Go there. You're missing out a lot if you're not looking at it. <laughs> We're on um, Instagram, What Fresh Hell cast. And you can always reach us by email at info at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. We're all over the, the place. the part where we ask you guys for a favor. Please tell a friend about the podcast, share it from your Facebook page. And if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes because that really helps us move up in the rankings and find new followers. Yeah. Which is what we're all about right and now. It, and it's working. So thanks everybody who's done it already because it's actually really helping. We can see a difference. Awesome. Everyone loves us, Amy. That's what I think our takeaway is from this episode. Uh, guys, that's when they're just like you. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life stucks.